Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Episode 75 of the Keith Law Show, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am your host, Keith Law. I will be joined today by my former colleague, Joe Poznanski, recently of The Athletic, to talk about his fantastic and very weighty new book, The Baseball 100, which will be out on September 28th. You can pre-order it anywhere you buy books. I recommend you find an independent bookstore near you or check out bookshop.org. I will have a new column up probably on Wednesday of this week. That would be the 22nd. Looking at the best minor league performances this year, I will name my prospect of the year. I don't think it'll be a huge surprise, but I guess there are probably plenty of candidates. I already know who it is, but I'm not going to tell you right now. Also, if you are at all a reader of my board game stuff, I have a long post up over at Paste Magazine ranking the 10 best board games that are currently out of print. This is a problem we run into quite a bit in board gaming. There's such a glut on the, uh, in the market. Um, everyone seems to want to just publish new games over and over, just a cycle of new games every year. And that's fine. Some of the new games are great, but it does mean that some pretty great games from even just a few years ago, sometimes as much as 20, 30, 40 years ago, do fall out of print sometimes. So you may disagree with my list if you're a longtime board gamer like I am. There's certainly plenty out there that I'd love to see back in print. Also, I have just returned from Gen Con, the largest board game convention in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, obviously, they skipped 2020 this year. They did do the convention. They did hold a convention at the Indianapolis Convention Center at half capacity. So 50% of what they would do in a normal year. Uh, I will say, um, I won't go into too much detail on the games. There'll be a write-up uh, over at Paste probably later this week. But I do want to say I was really pleased to see how strong mass compliance was. Uh, this was by far the busiest thing I had done, the most people I had been around at any point since the pandemic began. I, hadn't done, I don't think I'd done anything to compare to this. I'd been to baseball games, but of course I'm outside. And the crowds for those actually weren't really that big to begin with. But in this case, uh, that is, that's 35,000 people in a convention center that runs something like 600,000 square feet. We all weren't packed in a broom closet. But still, you don't necessarily want to be inside with that many people, even though the vast majority were apparently vaccinated. But there were a lot of masks. Most people had masks on. By far, most people had masks on. In fact, if you're familiar with the cosplay community, you'll understand this. I saw more people without shirts than I saw people without masks. And... That gave me a little bit of hope, too, because obviously we're seeing lots of stories of people completely losing their minds because they refuse to wear a little piece of cloth over their nose and mouth for their own protection and for the protection of others around them. But to go to something like this and see that people, even if they're just motivated out of self-interest, they're willing to put the mask on for several hours just to go do a fun thing that they wanted to do. Maybe we have a chance to find our way out of this pandemic after all. All right. Well, now it is my great pleasure to be joined by my 
a longtime friend, an erstwhile colleague at The Athletic. He just left The Athletic recently, Joe Poznanski. Uh, Joe is the author of a wonderful and extremely thick new book. <laughs> I'm holding it up and nobody can see it, of course. That's not actually how podcasts work. Uh, it is called The Baseball 100. You can pre-order it now. It will be out on sale on September 28th from Avid Reader and Simon and & Schuster. And you can and should follow Joe on Twitter at jposnanski, J-P-O-S-N-A-N-S-K-I. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's great. Great to be here. So I want to tell you, the, the book is great. It is really useful for things like um, you killing flies or sure, small sure. animals in the house. Sure. Yes. Step ladder. Works yeah. as a step ladder if you need to fix a light bulb or something. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's good. Not good for balancing tables. It's actually a little too big for that, <laughs> as it turns out. It just shifts the whole thing. So, yeah. so this book started as a series on The Athletics. So I'm going to assume some of our listeners here have have seen that. But why don't you talk a little bit just first about the, the genesis of the series and how that ended up becoming a book, which of course, now that I see it in book form, I'm, my thought was, oh, of course, this should have been a book all along. Should have been a book all along. I, you know, it's, it's, I think I thought of it as a book first. I think I thought of it that way. Uh, those people who have followed the, the, the journey of the baseball 100 will recall that I, I really started it, you know, decade ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was on my own uh, blog at the time. And, and I, you know, just had this idea. It really, it, it, it was sort of a simple idea. You know, I was, I, I was always into counting down players. I would, you know, I would do it in different sports and I thought, oh, you know what, I, baseball is my, is my thing. And, and I ought to do the ultimate list, which is, you know, just count down to the hundred greatest players. And the original thought was, it was just going to be a very simple countdown where it was going to be a few paragraphs on each player. Um, and, and that was going to be it. And I was just going to count them down and we, what the point of it was going to be the ranking and arguing about it and all that. But as I started writing it, I realized it was a completely different thing. Uh, and what I came to, and, and it was a very natural thing. I, I wrote about whoever number 100 was on the original list and I just kept writing. I'm like, this is uh, this is what I want to do. I want to tell the stories of these players, and I think I can tell the story of baseball through these players. And and it was a very gradual thing, but eventually it just be- it got out of control. I was writing you know, <laughs> longer and longer and longer pieces on each of these players, and it, it just got more and more and more interesting to me. And that sort of fizzled out because it just took over my life, and I didn't I didn't know what it was, and I so I kind of stopped started it up again. And then of course, as you say, I started it up for the athletic, uh, this time determined I was actually going to finish it. And, uh, and, uh, 250, 280,000 words later, whatever it is, um, it was finished and, and it was a book. And at that point in my mind, I already knew because what I individually, these pieces, I think I hope are really fun to read individually. You can read about Colfax or Scherzer or, or Pujols or whoever you want. And that's really fun. But I think collectively, I, I really want to believe that this does tell the story of baseball. And that's sort of what was the big idea for me. And the rankings became less and less important, even though I know that as I as I promote this book for the next uh, few weeks, that that's all I'll be arguing about, as, mm-hmm. as we know, that's that's what and that's fine. But but it became bigger to me than that it became something where I, I really felt like, hey, I'm I'm telling the story of baseball here. 
why? Yeah, I meant to ask you why, why is my favorite player too low? I mean, it's exactly. Obviously, so the whole book is null and void because <laughs> insert player name here. Um, I should. But we have a personalization feature on the podcast, so each player, each listener, will actually hear their own personal favorite player. Right they there. should. Yes. I want to know why Ichiro Suzuki right. is so low. <laughs> you know, just like you just have a mechanical voice do that. I yep. think it's uh, it's really good. But yeah, I mean, look, and it's and it's that's fun. I mean, to me, like that's the stuff we should be arguing about. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the stuff that's, that's really cool to, to argue about. Why, why in the heck would you have Kofax this low? Why would you have bonds that high? I mean, that's, that's fun stuff. And, and I love that, but I do hope people read it too. Like, mm-hmm. I really think that the reading is, is what makes this book different and unique and special, I hope. And, and, uh, I'm really excited because, you know, everybody who does read it and and now it's out there in the world a little bit, even though it hasn't come out, um, the, 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 the feedback I'm hearing from people is just, it's blowing my mind. It's, it's been wonderful. Oh, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. So, um, you know, I do want to ask about not the ranking specifically, because sure. because I do rankings too, and I understand how subjective these are. So even though I think clearly of Johnny Bench too low, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> um, his uh, his hands alone should have gotten him into the top fifteen. Of so course. What? How? How did you end up settling on a ranking? And, and particularly, it's not that I want the formula that's the secret Joe formula right. here, but like. You know, did you did you kind of do it just subjectively? This feels right. Did you kind of combine that with well, I should look at you know wins above replacement because this isn't that kind of book, right? This isn't I, look. If I did a book like this, it would be different because sure. you and I are different. We're different writers and we think differently, um, which is great. You know, I could write. I, I could write. Joe was wrong. The actual baseball <laughs> one hundred. I'm going to sign a book deal for that immediately. But your book. Isn't like that, but it's not to say you ignore the stats because you very much do talk about the stats. You even say in the intro. I read the intro. You got to read the intro. Most nice. people don't. Yes. But you say, I'm going to have a little glossary here where I'm going to explain what some of these stats are too. And that's great because it says to me, you're considering the objective and the subjective, which is probably the best way to do this. But I want to hear from you how you ultimately settled on making a list like this, knowing that it's it's probably never finished in your mind. You could always continue. It's, it's never finished, even to the point where the formula is never finished, right? Mm-hmm. You're always like adding and subtracting. The, this, this begins with a formula, for sure. Uh, it is a formula that I developed with my friend Tom Tango, uh, which is, of course, means that Tom Tango did it. I didn't have anything to do with it at all, other than just sort of saying what I wanted. So that's what it began with. And I have a very, you know, I have the, the long, you know, thousand player list in order of that formula. And that formula takes into account a lot of different things, not just war. I mean, war is a, is a part of it, but it's also what, when they played and, and I, I put in some, some uh, you know, parts of it to, to, I want, I wanted well-rounded players. That was, that was important to me. I wanted players who were not specifically one dimensional, even, even if that one dimension was incredible. I mean, I want them on the list, but I, you know, I wanted them to be a little bit lower than some of the well-rounded players. And, and, that gave me a really good list. I mean, I when I saw the list after Tom and I did it, uh, I looked at that list and I thought, this is a really good list, but no Negro Leagues players on it. So obviously that had to be a factor. And there were players that I just thought, well, that, that person's too high. That person's too low. Uh, that person tells the story of baseball in a way that I want to tell. Uh, you know, so there were lots of things that were going on. Plus, I wanted to add a little bit of a, of a little bit of art, I think, to this. 
to me, rankings are rankings, right? They're, they're, they're just the numbers and the difference between who's number 31 and who's number 35 is nothing. It's literally, you could just swap them and it'd be People fine. will get worked up about it though. Oh, of course. And you know that better than anybody. You're putting a, uh, a list of prospects together and you're having somebody yelling at you how somebody could be 76 when they should be 78. I mean, that's basically, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's nonsensical in a lot of ways. So I wanted to add a little art to this list so people will notice this as they go into the list. And some people have already told me they hate it, but I don't mind. <laughs> um, I connected certain players with certain numbers. I, I I want I felt like there were players who, to me, represented a number because it's the number they wore. Or it's the number that was key in their career. And so I I did that. And that might have moved them a few slots from where they were, were you know, on my official statistical list, but I felt okay about that. Cause I felt like if you are a Tom Seaver fan and I rank Tom Seaver 34, fine. You know, you'll, you, you might remember, you might not, you might be angry about it. You might not be whatever, but if I put him 41, you'll remember that forever. Cause you, that was his number. That was him. Tom, Tom Seaver was 41. So, so that was how my mindset was working. So so these rankings are, you know, they're they're a combination, I think, of art and science. At least I hope they are. So it, I'm glad you mentioned the Negro League players. I actually just pulled the book out to make sure I got these right. But you have three, I think, three players who played exclusively or primarily in the Negro Leagues in your top 15, which is great. Yes. But to me, that is one of the biggest challenges. I don't write about baseball history because I don't sure. know it. Like Guys like you and Rob Nyer, they, you know, John Thorne, they know That's baseball history. Question. And yet, I think they would all, those guys would say too, folding Negro League history into Major League history, which I know we've now done sort of on a more official basis where they're sure. crediting them as a Major League as we should. But my God, the comparison there seems, it, it just seems like an impossible task. You would, I would always worry for myself. I was, I would probably worry in the direction that I was insufficiently crediting them. Right. Right. Because their conditions were across the board different. But talk, tell me a little bit more about how it doesn't have to be about these specific players up towards well, the top. But, yeah. but, you know, Oscar Charleston, who I know you've, you've, you've been an Oscar Charleston guy for a long time. Sure. If I correctly. So, you know, tell me about, you know, how does some, how do you slot someone like him in, in the top five around players where we have more data, we have more contemporary accounts, even though I'm not disputing the ranking. No, but of course not. No, what I know goes exactly into what put, fitting him in there? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, look, I think that, you know, I've said this before, that that a top 100 list says more about me than it does about the players. And and if you did a top 100 list, it would say more about you than it does the players. If uh, somebody's reading this and they're, you know, they say, hey, I would have done this differently. It says more about them than it does the players. This is This is how this works. So I have been a student of the Negro Leagues uh, for, for a very long time, of course, very closely connected with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City and my friend Bob Kendrick and, and all the good people there. And so I'm, you know, my thought was, of course, I'm going to have Negro Leaguers in here. And of course, I'm going to I'm going to have them ranked, um, you know, high in, in many cases, Oscar Charleston being the highest. And my question is, am I going to underrate them or overrate them? Because there's no other way to do it. Right. You know, there's like, you're either going to do one or the other. You're, you know, I, obviously there is no possible way to get it exactly right. And my thought was, look, I've ranked the Negro leaguers in the, in the order that I felt like they belonged on this list. 
And then it was like, okay, so where do they fit? Where do they seem right? I mean, how great was Satchel Paige? I think Satchel Paige was probably as great as any pitcher in the history of baseball. So I rank him as the second greatest pitcher in the history of baseball behind Walter Johnson. Um, and, and that's sort of how I was thinking about this. Oscar Charleston, I could have put number one, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you could absolutely put him number one, but I could have put Oscar Charleston number 13 or number 17, you know, and, 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 you know, and made the argument, Hey, we don't know, you know, we know he was great in his time, but it was a very different time. It was, we don't really have much to work off of. I felt like he belonged in the top five. That was, that was my feeling. It's like, there is a very strong argument that he was as great as any player who's ever lived. And I'm not going to put him number one. I don't feel that's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Buck O'Neill would tell me he was better than Willie Mays, but, but I don't know that. Um, but I feel good about number five. I feel good about having him in the top five. To me, the top five could be interspersed. You could put him in any order you want, in, in my view. And, and I felt really good about putting him right there. Yeah, I would agree on the top five um, that you could put these guys in any order. I am glad you put the player at number one who you put at number one. Maybe I shouldn't. You may have just said it, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. <laughs> um, I'm also like busy flipping through here, too, and marveling over some of the players. You had a player in the top. Where is he? Player at number 25, Pop Lloyd. I'm not sure I'd ever heard of him before. Or I'd heard about him, but I'd read through it. I mean, there is so much in here that is on that covers bit little corners of baseball history. Obviously I've heard of most of these players because I grew up a baseball fan, but there are just so many little details in here of, um, yeah, it's these little bits of baseball history that, yeah, maybe they existed somewhere else, but you would have had to read a lot of books and a lot of articles to get to this level of detail on now it's on a hundred different players. It's particularly the, obviously there's some contemporary players. You mentioned Ichiro. Ichiro's here. Do I love reading about Ichiro? Of course I do. Is there as much I don't know about Ichiro as there are about, you know, the, the, the obviously the Pop Lloyds and the Oscar Charlestons, but even the Hannes Wagners and the, sure. the they, you know, there's all, there are so many more stories from baseball history that, um, you know, even I, as somebody who really grew up a fan, probably spend less time reading about history now, but as a kid, I read everything I could get my hands on of course. about baseball history. Did you, how did you end up essentially stopping on a guy when you could, it's funny. In one of the essays you, I don't remember which one it was, but you talk about going down a particular rabbit hole. I'm like this is a hundred rabbit holes. Yeah, actually. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I'm sure writing it was. Very much so. And it's a great question. How do you stop? Because that's what was holding me back the first couple of times I tried this. It's like, mm -hmm. there's no, you can't stop. You literally cannot stop. What I did with the athletic people might remember is I wrote one every day. Every yeah. single day. Yeah. So that's how you stop. Well, there you were three of you, you, right? This was like Joe Poznanski, <laughs> Jim Poznanski, right? And right. It's just, we, we clone, like, what's that movie? Multiplicity? We just Multiplicity. Just. The ones on day three of the cycle weren't quite as good as the other ones. I noticed. George George Will wrote in the introduction that I must be 200 years old to have done all of this, uh, which was very nice. <laughs> um, but You don't look um, a day over 165. I, I really, I really don't. I, I mean, I feel good about that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, but that really was what stopped me. It's at some point you run out of time. I mean, look, I could, you know, I could, I would love to write full fledged biographies on, on these guys, you know, but I, I felt like there was a point too where I was like, all right, I'm trying to tell the story of how they impacted the game, how they changed the game or the story of their, 
you know, personal life. I, I remember going through and writing the Carlton Fisk one as an example. That one, that one really stands out at me because it's about Fisk and his father. And it's, it's a, you know, to me, a really beautiful story and one that I wasn't that familiar with. I learned so much, you know, uh, while I was researching this and I remember writing the Fisk thing and just thinking, this is what a, I could, I could spend weeks doing this, you know? I mean, just like, there's so much here, so much emotion and so much feeling, but this is the story I want to tell. This is it. It's the story of Carlton Fisk and his father and, and, and how, how that, you know, played out all the way through to him, you know, talking to his father directly at the, at the hall of fame uh, ceremony where, where he spoke directly to his dad, which I just thought was beautiful and, and so touching. And, and so I think part of the way to do that was to focus on that. I did not spend a lot of time, for instance, on, the game six Homer with Carlton Fisk, which obviously I could have, I did not spend a lot of time with, with Carlton Fisk's unbelievable longevity. I didn't spend a lot of time with, you know, this, that, or the other Fisk's Fisk's, you know, he was a ferocious player. And, and so I could have gone in a lot of different directions, but once I picked one sort of angle, it's not like I didn't cover other things, but once I picked one angle, it was, let me get as much as I can on that particular uh, angle and direction, and then uh, and then move on because I had to. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So listeners, uh, readers of my work know I talk a fair bit about cognitive biases. I wrote a whole book where I detailed them. And one of the ones that- It was great. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) One of the ones that struck me, uh, it's called The Inside Game. It's available now in paperback. Yes, it is. One thing as I was going through your book that kept striking me, I don't think you, look, if you fell prey to this, you did a very good job working your way around it, but- one thing that would always worry me about doing something like this 
is falling for recency bias, which is yes. you know, for, which is the the guys who are most recent um, and who we've actually seen too, seen live. Well, you're 106, you're too nearly 200 years old. So you actually seen them all. I yes. am, but a spry 29. Sure. And therefore, I have barely seen any of these players. <laughs> so, but it's that it would we overrate. What's recent, what we remember, what we've seen now where we have so much more detail on players. I don't think you did that. If you did, you did a really good job covering for it in the well, way that you organized the rankings too. But did that did that cross your mind? It did cross my mind. Um, and it's a great question, but I would say the exact opposite was my concern. Mm. In baseball history, mm -hmm. recency is a real disadvantage. It's a real disadvantage. Mm. You look at most of these kinds of lists, which of course I did. I looked at all the lists. I looked at every single top hundred that that I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. They're all guys who were played a hundred years ago. You look at the top <laughs> ten, and it's all Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Walter Johnson and 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 Jimmy Fox. You know, I mean, like Mantle and Mays are spry kids. You know, on those top ten lists, uh, it's all guys that played in the. 10s and 20s and 30s, Wagner, Ted Williams, Stan Musial. I mean, these guys, none of them played in the last 50 years. Right. And my big concern, and one of the things that I actually uh, worked on with Tom Tango when we created the formula was, let's, let's give a bonus to guys who played more recently because mm. I think they played a better brand of baseball. I think they played in a, in a much more competitive league. I think they played under much more, not difficult circumstances, but more you are facing pitches that, that Babe Ruth could never have dreamed of. Right. I mean, right. you know, you're facing, I mean, did Babe Ruth ever face a slider in his career? I mean, not, not one that we would call a slider. Right. Not at 90, right? 92 miles an hour. Certainly. <laughs> exactly. That was, a, that was a hard fastball. At that, that was a hard fastball. Exactly. So that's not to knock those guys, those guys, but you know, they're going to get their credit for how great they were. I wanted to uh, really include. And so if, if there are players who are just on the fringe of getting in, but not quite getting in, um, I, you know, and I, I know who those players are. They're recent players. I mean, there, there are several recent players or even active players who just barely missed the list. And, and, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like I could put them on I, just because that was my list. Um, but that was, I was more concerned about that. I was more concerned that I would not give enough credit to the players of today um, because I think now that's completely the opposite in every other sport in football and basketball. Recency bias is everything, right? It's, it's, uh, you know, Michael Jordan played too long ago already, right. you know, we're on to LeBron, right? Um, and then LeBron is already getting older. So now we're on to the next guy. I mean, it, it moves fast. And in football, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest player ever because he's has to be right. It's, it's, it's recent, but nobody really calls any Nobody has called any baseball player in 50 years, the greatest player ever. Right. It's like Babe Ruth had that wrap wrapped up, you know, in, in 1927 and, and had it forever. And, and, you know, Willie Mays came along and Hank Aaron came along and Ted Williams came along and, and all those guys were, basically viewed as, you know, yeah, they were great, but they were in Babe Ruth. And so nobody's going to call Mike Trout as great as Babe Ruth, but is Mike Trout as great as Babe Ruth? There's, I'd, I'd say, yeah, there's a pretty good argument, pretty good argument for it. So, so that was my concern. It, it was exactly the opposite of your, you know, your recency bias, the way you talked about it in the inside game is a hundred percent true. 
Um, but for baseball history, it's actually, I think, an opposite effect. I, I agree with that argument. I would, um, particularly the part about uh, this, these are the best players we've yes. ever seen, right? They're yes. the best athletes. They're bigger. They're way, they're bigger, strong. I think in our lifetimes, we have seen a pretty substantial leap in player ability, player size, and also especially the ability of players to um, improve on their yes. own or with the help of teams. Yeah. Again, I may be light on baseball history here, but I don't think even 20, 30 years ago, you saw players just completely transform themselves. No. I wrote a thing on Austin Riley a couple weeks ago, him changing basically who he was as a hitter. Yeah. All these swing changes, pitch design. We just never saw that stuff in baseball history. There are occasional cases of somebody saying, you know, those pitchers who would do that, and I just did the thing and I put my fingers here. Yes. Yeah. Right. They were quirks. They were eccentrics. That's right. They were weirdos, the, the dizzy deans of history who would do yeah. stuff like that. But today, whereas today, they're just, they just are better. If you took a Babe Ruth and put him in today's game, He'd be, he'd be like a mediocre player. He'd be overmatched. He'd be overmatched. Yes. Now, of course, the, the argument then is, right, but you can't do that, right? You, right. Have, to no, have, you, Ruth, you have to have Babe Ruth grow up in today's environment and and have all the advantages that players have today and have all the coaching players have today. And and I have no doubt in, in that circumstance, he'd be a, 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 an all-time great player. I, I yes. do think that you, great, you, you do judge players against their own time, but you're 100% right. The challenges of today, sometimes we, we, because baseball numbers are so fascinating to us, we look at, at baseball numbers and go, you know, just something simple like batting average, which neither of you or I particularly cares about, but still there are no 300 hitters anymore, right? Like we're having more, there are going to be fewer 300 hitters this year than oh, yeah. any year in forever, right? Yeah. We don't even have, remember the chases for 400? Oh my god! Everyone, you know, every year or two, <laughs> maybe every three years, yeah. somebody would get off to a really good start. Right? Is this going to be the rude. one? Right? Yeah, that's never going to happen again. Not unless they completely change something in the sport. We're just never going to see that again. It's like a change. It's a chase for three hundred is what we what we yeah. suddenly got. And so you'll have old longtime fans that go, "All oh, these hitters are not as good as they used to be. They can't put the ball in play like all oh, Rod Carew could do." And look, Rod Carew was amazing. It is on my list. Mm-hmm. But Rod Carew did not face 100 mile an hour fastballs every single night. Rod right. Carew did not face five pitchers throwing, uh, you know, at full max uh, potential with unbelievable sliders and unbelievable changeups and 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 absurd. And then they would be out, and he would face four different pitchers on a single night. Right. It's a different game, and and so there's no question in my mind that that the players of that day could be great players today with the with the same training or whatever but if you pluck them out of their time and put them in today's game it, they wouldn't know what to do they i mean certainly not at first i mean it's like hey you know you faced nolan ryan what an unbelievable you know uh, pitcher he was well how about four nolan ryans three nolan ryans every night you know i mean mm-hmm. guys throw, not not that they were as great as nolan ryan but they're throwing 100 miles an hour they're throwing unbelievable uh breaking stuff i mean it's 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 just a different game yeah you almost never see a guy come out of a major league bullpen not unless he's the last man on the staff unless right. he is throwing extremely hard or has at least one off-speed pitch yes. that is clearly plus, and maybe it's just a knockout pitch, you have to, right? Yeah. I mean, that's because they're, they're just the competition 
Not that I don't mean the level of competition in the majors, although that's also true that that mandates it, but you just can't rise to the top of the heap anymore. I go to minor league games and they're all throwing 92, 93, 94. That's kind of ordinary at this point. Well, and you're probably, you've been in this game long enough that there was probably a time where you saw a guy throw 94 and you're like, oh, yes, fastball. Look at this guy. Oh, absolutely. And now you see somebody throw 94. You're like, all right, you know, that's sort of baseline might be a reliever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really changed and it's changed in recent times. Actually we'll say, I, I know I'm doing it and it makes me uncomfortable because it feels like I've become jaded, even though that's, (laughs) it's just the truth, right? It is 94 was once above average. Yes. And now it's not particularly for right-handers. Yeah. So you see a guy throw 94, it is truly, it's, it's okay, I guess. It's okay. <laughs> you pass that test, which is barely, right? It's a C plus. Yeah. Okay, you're you're still in, but now show me that you have something else, that you can dot it or that you've got a breaking ball or even a cha- anything else. Yeah. Just to, otherwise, it's just, you're just another guy. And which is you're good. Cr- it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. 94 was the fireballer. I mean, there right? was, I could, I've been around it long enough that 94, there were, there were Royals teams where there was nobody who came close to throwing 94. Nobody right. in the entire staff right. that came close. You would throw like somebody would throw a 92 and you're like, all right, there's your, there's your best fastball pitcher right there. I mean, it's, it has changed in that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, look, it's changed for both hitters and pitchers because now if you, if you do throw 92 and, and have a, you know, a couple of uh, decent pitches, they might, they might beat up on you in, in the, in the major leagues at this level. So uh, so everything has changed along those lines. And I think it was really important for me to reflect that on the list. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, p- players are, that, that to me is the best example. I talked to somebody who hasn't been a longtime baseball fan, you know, about how it's changed or why, you know, an, uh, an easy way to express why today's players are just the best we've ever seen. I mean, that's true in every sport, I think. Sure. But it's also, they're just bigger. They're faster. Yes. And they have so much more information. Yes. I mean, I mean, you know, I know people have their own feelings about the shift, but they know where you're going to hit the ball. You mm-hmm. know, they know. And it's like it's it, it's so funny. People who want to ban the shift, I get it. I understand. But it's like what you're saying to teams are even though you know where he's going to hit the ball, you're not allowed to stand there. I mean, that's <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, yes. it's, it's really ridiculous. But that's that's just how the game has changed. And, and you know, it's constant adapting and constant, uh, you know, figuring out what the next level is. And there are things that baseball, I think, should do, not not ban the shift in, in my view. But there are things they should do to 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 make the game a little bit more, you know, more balls in play and some of these other things that we've talked about. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I I think it's it the, the fact that the game has changed so much really can make us lose sight of the fact of how good these guys are. They're, they're just mind-blowingly good right now. So last question, was there a player, it doesn't have to be number 101 necessarily, necessarily, but was there a player you really wish you could have gotten into the top 100 and just ultimately decided you couldn't make the case or you had to include other players instead? It could be a guy who was number 143 in your mind, but yeah. just somebody you really wish you'd been able to get in a chapter. Dwayne yes. Kuyper is not the correct answer here. Well, of course, I really wanted to get Dwayne Kuyper in there. Um, there are a bunch, actually. There's, I have like a list of about 10 guys that, boy, I wish I could have gotten in. 
101, I've already announced that 101 is Turkey Stearns, the, the great Negro Leagues player. And, mm. and there's real regret not getting him in, largely because, first of all, he belongs. He, he was one of the greatest players ever. But also, no people don't know about him, and, and yeah. it was an opportunity. But but since you asked me that question, the guy that I wish I could have gotten in, and mm-hmm. and uh, is is it's well, there's two, but the one I'm going to say, everybody knows, I would say Zach Granke, because because that's that's clear. My history with Zach Granke and all that. But the guy that I would love to have gotten into the list is uh, Joey Votto. And, uh, you know, Votto having such a great renaissance season, he was already right on the cusp while I was talking before about those, uh, those, uh, current players that, uh, that were right there. He was already right on the cusp and he's having this renaissance season. But the main thing is I've, I asked him for his address so I could send him a copy of the book and he responded, uh, no, don't bother. You didn't put me in the top hundred. Ah! So, uh, <laughs> so, so, so I truly wish I could have gotten Joey Votto uh, on the list. Can you um, like hand write? You know, usually it's some blank pages <laughs> at the end of any book, right? Just write a just write a little hand thing with just a little story. Joey yeah. Votto was a good hitter, you know, yep. something like that. Doing crayon, right? He's the best. He's just so he's such a he's such a great personality, but he's such a great hitter. I mean, you know, he he really is the Ted Williams of our time, and and uh, uh, what a what a force, what a force. It's actually interesting, this renaissance season, as you called it, it, like it's actually a case where I think he's really strengthening his credentials for the Hall of Fame. He's yes, probably he going to get in. He might have had a little bit of a tough time because obviously he's more of a – you have to be more of like analytically oriented in your voting at yes. least to appreciate him. But now he's got some real argument for longevity too, which just right. a lot of voters want to see. And I think his the case – his resume is going to just appeal to more voters at this point, even those who maybe do not appreciate the wonder that is the person of Joey Votto, which yes. those, those stories are getting out there a lot more too, which is also fantastic. Absolutely. Well, look, I think, I think he really did clinch it this year. I mean, because he, of course, from an analytics standpoint, that's why he was so close to, to my list and why I, I would love to have him on there. Analytically, he's already there. Uh, but now you start look. He won an MVP. He won a Gold Glove. You know what I mean? He did some things that 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 are traditionally uh, valued as well. And and uh, I I mean, look, I, I I understand there will be people who will not vote for them, but for him, but uh, but I would not invite them to dinner. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> My guest today has been the great Joe Poznanski, who is the author of a fantastic new book, The Baseball 100, which will be out on September 28th from Avid Reader and Simon & Schuster. You can and should follow Joe on Twitter at jpoznanski. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Keith, this was the greatest. Thank you. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more from me or see more from me, follow me on Twitter at Keith Law. Follow me on Facebook at Keith Law Writer. Even on Instagram, Mr. MR Keith Law. It's not much baseball content there, just to warn you going in. And finally, as we approach the holiday season, I must remind you, I will say this every week. I apologize if you're sick of hearing about it, but I have two books out. I hear they make great gifts. The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, the more recent one, and also Smart Baseball. Both are out in paperback. As with Joe's book, you can find it anywhere fine books are sold. And if you can't, check out bookshop.org. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. Go get that vaccine.